Let me tell you, I don't care what's going on in your life. You got the power to change the atmosphere. I don't care what it is. Let me go talk to my sister over here. I don't care what it is. Because the Holy Spirit resides in you, you got the power to change the atmosphere. Quit accepting the atmosphere. If it's not conducive to something that's positive, Do it. 
tell you I don't care what's going on in your life you got the power to change the atmosphere I don't care what it is let me go talk to my sister over here I don't care what it is because the Holy Spirit resides in you you got the power to change the atmosphere quit accepting the atmosphere if it's not conducive to something that's positive Three, two, the feel our head. Till it feel our head. Good morning, St. John. Oh, this is the day that the Lord has made. 
Oh, it wasn't evolution that made this day. It wasn't a big bang theory that made this day. But the word of God said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Stand to your feet if you can. We're going to get started with this morning's worship. And I'm going to open with the 100th number of the song. The word of God reads, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Oh, come on. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. Oh, I repeat it. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endured through all generations. Pray with me this morning, church. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come into your house to worship. Father, we count it a privilege, Father, to come and lift up holy hands in your sanctuary, Father. We pray, Father, that you would come in the room and have your way, Father. We pray, God, that you'd have your way with the musicians, Father. We pray that you'd have your way with the pastor, Father. We pray that you'd have your way in your word, God. Oh, God, I pray for the ground that your word is going to fall on, Father. I pray, God, that your word would go out and accomplish Lord, that what you sent it out to do, Lord. Touch the hearts, God, that your word would prick it, God, that, that it would convert us, God, that it would change us in your house, God. My prayer, God, is that you would save on today. My prayer, God, is that you would deliver on today. My God, my prayer is that signs and miracles would happen in this place on today. My prayer, God, is that breakthrough would happen in this place on today. Oh, I pray in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. And the believer said, amen. Amen, amen. Greetings again to each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We have come to worship God. If there be any visitors or guests among us, know that you are always welcome here at St. John. If you desire salvation or church membership, please fill out the form found on the back of the pew in front of you. And once you have completed it, you can give it to the person at the front desk or give it to an usher or you can put it in the offering basket. But whatever you do, don't miss your day of visitation. Amen? Amen. Now, have you come to worship on this morning? Have you come to lift up your hands on this day? Have you come to bless the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Amen. You are now in the hands of our worship team. Hallelujah.
At the mention of your name, every knee shall bow and tongue proclaim that Jesus, Jesus, you are Savior, you are Lord, and you
can't find nobody like him. Come on, let's worship him. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's worship him. Find nobody like you. I can't find nobody like you. I can't find nobody like you. I can't find nobody like you. Search all over, can find nobody. Search all over, can find nobody. Search all over, can find nobody. Search all over, can find nobody like you. God has saved me, that can raise me, that can heal me. Mercy endureth forever, Lord. 
I'm Kalei Renee Hall. I hope you're enjoying the worship so far. If you're on Facebook, make sure to hit the share button. And if you're on YouTube, make sure to hit the subscribe button. Now, let us get ready for the word of God being brought forth by my grandfather, Dr. Kevin B. Hall. Be blessed. chapter 12, verse 20. Luke 12, verse 20, and it reads something like this. But God said unto him, Thou food, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Again, the A portion reads, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul 
shall be required of thee. We need to raise the question this morning. Is it well with your soul? Look at somebody and just ask, is it well with your soul? God bless you, may be seated. Life is more meaningful when people know who they are. The real you and the real me are not external. The real you and the real me are internal. This internal entity is eternal. After death, this internal entity will experience eternity in either heaven or hell. A heaven is the eternal destination if a relationship is established with God through Jesus Christ. Hell is the eternal destination if a relationship is not established with God through Jesus Christ. This internal entity is called a soul. Everybody repeat and say, a soul. Thus, the real you is a soul, and the real me is a soul. What we see on the outside is not the real you. It's not the real me. Life is well when the soul is well. Yes, life is well when the body is well, but life is more well when the soul is well. Yes, life is well when the mind is well, uh, but life is more well when the soul is well. Yes, life is well when the relationships are well, but life is more well when the soul is well. One more. Yes, life is well when the finances are well, but life is more well when the soul is well. In our text, God called a rich man a fool. He didn't call him a fool because he was rich, but because it was not well with his soul. Let's see what we can learn about this man in Luke chapter 12, beginning verse 13. And your blessing is in the word. So I really challenge everybody to follow me in the word. In verse 13, it reads, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. There was somebody in a crowd that approached Jesus about a family matter. It was dealing with an inheritance. That's a touchy subject. <laughs> now, let me just say this, a uh, little history. Among the Jews, uh, uh, children had an inheritance uh, of their uh, Deceased fathers divided among them. The elders had a double portion, but all the rest had equal parts. My beloved, um, an inheritance can bring the worst out of people. A lot of families disintegrate over an inheritance. So if we have anything for others to inherit... 
We can eliminate many problems by having a will and or a living trust. Everything needs to be legally prepared in regards to our beneficiaries. And hear this, don't rely on verbal discussions. In verse 14, it reads, and he said unto him, man, uh, who made me a judge or a divide over you? You know, every time I look at this passage and, and when it says in verse 14, and that's Jesus speaking when he said man, I said, uh, was Jesus speaking a little slang here? Man, a little swag also, huh? But Jesus is setting the record straight because it's the expertise of a judge to address uh, legal and secular matters. Jesus, his expertise was to address spiritual matters. After all, he came to seek and save that which was lost. A point of application for all of us is uh, don't allow people to pull us out of our lane. Jesus knew his place. A lot of people get out of place because they don't know their place. It's in verse 15 where it says, and he said unto them, and I want you to underline that word them, because I think a lot of times we, we proceed with verse 15 and we don't look at that word them and we think that he's still talking to him, meaning the man in the company who came out of the crowd. Are y'all listening to me? Listen, so underline them. Let's, let's look what Jesus says. Uh, he says, take heed and beware of covetousness, for man's life consisted, meaning depends, not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Now, again, the reason why I said uh, take, underline that word them, because Jesus was approached by a man concerning a domestic problem, Jesus is apparently utilizing this man's situation in order for all of his disciples and others surrounding uh, will learn a vital lesson. Jesus said, I want you to take heed. I want you to be aware of covetousness. And this is interesting because covetousness is an unlawful desire for something that belongs to someone else. Or maybe I should say for someone that belongs to someone else. It's an inordinate or excessive desire. It's, it, it is a violation of the 10th commandment as we read in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. It's interesting that Jesus said, beware of covetousness. He wants us to be careful of, 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 of always pursuing greed. We have needs, but beware of being greedy. It's one thing to be needy, but it's another thing to be greedy. Somebody say amen on that one. Uh, I, I hear what Jesus says here. A man's life consisted, meaning dependent not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth, uh, Ask yourself the question, how do I define my life? Do you define your life by the things you possess? Life should not be defined by the things we possess. And that's what Jesus is saying in the text. Life does not consist of the abundance of the things which he possesses. If your life 
is defined by your house, your life defined by your automobile, your job, or anything that's material, then what is your life when you no longer have those things? Somebody shout out, teach, Pastor. When I look at this situation, we need to understand something about God. God accommodates our necessities, but not necessarily our superfluities. I mean, Paul said it very clearly in Philippians 4 19 when he says, And my God, I'm reading this from the ESV Bible, and my God will supply every need of yours. That's a promise. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He didn't promise to give us all of our wants. But he promised to supply our needs. And let's praise God that he often does give us our wants. <laughs> Jesus then, in verse 16, decided to share, give them another parable. And you know, a parable is, can be defined as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So whenever Jesus gives a parable, shares a parable, it is a story, but always has a heavenly meaning. And that means that when we read parables in the Bible, we need to make sure that we do understand the heavenly meaning. Say, so he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. This rich man's land was more fertile than he expected. I want y'all to catch that. God blessed this rich man's land with more than what that rich man could even imagine. Anybody can relate to that? Is anybody in here who can testify to the fact that God has blessed you with more than what you could ever imagine? I mean, some of us had some dreams, and we envision ourselves being in certain places at certain phases of our lives. But those of us who's been here for a little while, how many of us can actually look inwardly and say, wow, I would not have ever imagined that I would make it this far. How many of us right now have been in situations in our life where it was touch and go? I mean, at one point, we didn't even know if we could make it through that year. And here we've made it a year, years, or many years since that moment. Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? I'm only going there because I want us to really inwardly look at how God has blessed us. I mean, so often hear this. He has not only blessed us over and over again, but so often he has blessed us even exceedingly beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And I want to say to everybody in here right now, if you count your blessings and you can see where God has been so good to you, matter of fact, he's been better to you than what you've been to yourself, go ahead right now and give God some praise. Yeah. 
Everything was flowing pretty well in this parable until we arrive at verse 17. And maybe you can catch it. I'll read it first. He says, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. What's the problem with verse, with verse 17? It's right there in the first few words. And he thought within himself. We have often been told, think before you speak. But I need to give you something that's more biblical. Pray. Pray before we think. Then think before we speak or act. Had this man prayed first, he would have thought, acted, and spoken differently. My beloved, you know what, I, I, and let me just be transparent, uh, sometimes I have to catch myself because uh, I don't like to uh, wake up in the morning thinking about anything before praying to God first. That means if there's a text message or if there's a call that, that woke me up, that can throw me off course. Because hear this, I don't want to begin my morning. I don't want to begin with my uh, state of consciousness after being in a slumberland, uh, uh, reading text messages or, or having conversations or, or reading emails uh, before I have first uh, had a talk with Jesus. When you and I begin our day with God, it sets the tone for that day. We wonder why often we have a bad day because we started. We began the day wrong. We need to make a conscious effort before we begin engaging in discussions with other people, before we even start thinking about what we got to do throughout that day. First thing we ought to do when we wake up, when we come to a state of consciousness, is to acknowledge uh, our creator, uh, acknowledge the God that watched over us, acknowledge the God that woke us up, the, acknowledge the God that kept us, uh, kept us safe all night. Somebody give God another hand of praise. When I look at verse 17, he had a problem that some folk have probably in here right now. He was blessed with so much, but he didn't have enough room for his blessings. Does that remind anyone in here about maybe your closet? <laughs> oh, let me leave that alone. <laughs> and I don't say that negatively. It's a blessing that you have something in the closet. <laughs> amen. But some of us have so much. Amen. Hey Amen. I'm looking at the one couple here. I know the wife thinking that the husband been talking to me. No, he didn't tell me that. <laughs> Let me move on. In verse 18, it says, and he said. And remember, he thought earlier within himself. Now he's come to his own resolution. The man had a good problem, but a bad resolution. I say it's a good problem, and somebody might say, well, how is it that you can ever have a good problem? He had a good problem because he was blessed with so much that he didn't have room enough for his blessings. But his bad resolution was that he decided to do something that God did not tell him to do. 
He said, and he said, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And let me help us with this. Uh, the barns, those were um, granaries, um, which were storehouses for threshed grain. When he says, um, build greater, and there I'll bestow my fruits, understand that the word fruits here, we're not just talking about apples and oranges. When he's talking about fruits, that, in, that included his grain, that included everything that was producing. Are y'all still with me, everybody? It's interesting, again, when we talk about the barns, uh, you know, so often when I read this text, I, I, I think about these little, these little huts. <laughs> but understand that barns were commonly made by the ancients underground, where the grain could be kept for a longer period of time from the thieves and, the, and, and from vermin. It would, it would be easier to enlarge those already excavated in the earth than to dig new ones. Are y'all still with me here? The man says, I'm going to tear down and rebuild. I want to catch something else here. Generally, believers are wise when God blesses us to save some and share some. Generally, we don't give away everything we receive. But if you want God to bless you with more, you can't keep everything you receive either. You know, when you sing that song, you can't be God-given. The more you give, the more you receive. And that's the way God operates. I know some of us, it's hard for us to give a lot now because we make so much. It was easy to give the pennies because that's all we had. But then when God starts blessing us with the dollars, it's hard for some of us to give him the dollars. Well, guess what? If we don't show some appreciation and handle them dollars right, God can do a, a, a reverse and put us back on the pennies. Come on, put some hands together, somebody. In verse 19, he says, and I will say to my soul, uh-oh, I want y'all to catch something now. And I say, uh-oh, not necessarily because it's bad, but I say, uh-oh, because I want it to catch our attention. He said, I'm going to say to my soul, and look at he's talking to him suddenly. He says, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for, and here's his mistake, many years. Look at somebody and say, bad assumption. And he says, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Let me just work with that for a moment. And I want those of you taking notes, I want you to get this one. The most profound conversation one can have is with God. Yes. Perhaps the second, I say perhaps because some can argue this one. So I'll say perhaps the second most profound conversation one can have is with oneself. How can you have a conversation and reach agreement with someone else if you're not in agreement first with yourself. That's almost like trying to love somebody and you don't love yourself. And that's the problem in a lot of relationships. Folk want somebody to make them happy, but they're not happy. 
God never uh, designed a relationship for somebody to make you happy. I hear that when I used to do a lot of counseling. Oh, she don't make me happy anymore. He don't make me happy. That's not the purpose of a mate. It's not the mate's responsibility to make you happy. Your happiness is supposed to come from within. You're supposed to already be happy. Your happiness comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not careful, a mate can make you unhappy. Let me leave that one alone. <laughs> so I'm saying perhaps the second most profound conversation one can have is with oneself. Some say, now catch this, some say... That one is crazy to talk to oneself. You ever heard that before? Well, this is what Pastor Hall is going to say. I'm not always right, but this is, how I, this is what I think. I say that one is crazy at times not to talk to oneself. Some of us will be in jail. We didn't talk ourselves out of it. Come on and talk back to me. Oh, yeah, there's some things some people have done to us, and, 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 and we didn't talk ourselves out. We might have been in some trouble. Anybody know what I'm talking about up in here? Unfortunately, this man's profound conversation with himself, meaning his soul, was predicated upon a false assumption, and that is many years. I, I want to say to all of the young people here, as well as those who are viewing by way of streaming, do not assume that you're going to be here for many years. We used to say here today, gone tomorrow, folk here today and gone today. Just because you're young, just because you're healthy, it does not mean that you're going to be here for a long time. If you know I'm right, come on and put some hands together. Oh, the man said, just, just let's take, it, take it easy. You're going, uh, yeah, you're going to be here a long time. He says, eat, drink, and be merry. That whole concept of eat, drink, and be merry was kind of like a, 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 a reflection of the ancient Epicureans and atheists uh, who believed that all that is valuable in life is to eat, drink, and be merry. Oh. Today, the rich food would be called a hedonist. Everybody say hedonist. That word hedonist is spelled H-E-D-O-N-I-S-T. Hedonist, uh, which is uh, one who believes that pleasure or happiness is the highest good in life. One's life lacks substance if one lives only to have a good time. I need everybody to hear this. Some folks say, just let the good times roll. And it's nothing wrong with having a good time. But as we mature, we should not live to just have a good time. If your life is only about having a good time, your life is lacking substance. You know, as we mature in age, and I can understand some younger people who want to have, I mean, that's they, they, yeah. One's sensual appetites. That one has, catch this, an intellect to be cultivated. Hmm. 
a heart to be purified, and a soul to be saved. If you're in agreement with that, put some hands together again. Verse 20 is very alarming. Verse 20, it says, but God. Somebody say, but God. But God said unto him. It's interesting. In the parable, the man didn't talk to himself. He didn't talk to everybody but God. And even though he chose not to talk to God, God is talking to him. A whole lot of folk choose not to talk to God, but guess what? God will talk to them. I said, how does that happen? Well, huh, at the judgment bar, there's going to be a whole lot of folk that never talk to God, but they're going to hear God talk to them. And God said unto the man, he said, listen, listen, just look at him. He called him, he said, thou fool. He says, uh, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then whose uh, shall those things be which thou hast provided? Wow, God called the man a fool. Now let me first let me, let me, let me give you a working definition of the word fool. The word fool means, that's just everybody, someone who lacks common sense. So that means that a person can be educated and very knowledgeable. But if that person lacks common sense, God would call that person a... Okay. I'm being careful with that word because God called the man a fool but forbids us to call one another a fool. So I want to say to everybody here, let's be careful how we use that word fool. You know, we're driving along and somebody uh, uh, dash in front of us, fool, what? No, no, no. By the way, we better be careful. Yeah, yeah, that road rage, all right. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. But hear this. Well, let me, let me just put it on. Let's, 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 put it, let's put it all open. I have been guilty, not proud of it, but I have been guilty. I have called. I've, I've done that. I don't do it recently, but I have, I've called some. I've said fool. Is, is there anybody in here, you've been guilty at least once in your life, you call somebody a fool? Let me see. Let me see. Come on, let's keep, let's keep it real in here. Amen. Some of you won't raise your hand. You, you, you're trying to fool me right now. Amen. <laughs> well, here it is. The, the point that we got to learn from today's message is we don't ever want to call anybody a fool. Now, here it is. Uh, I, I think it's okay to sometimes say what somebody is doing is foolish, but you don't call them a fool. Now, why, why do you say don't call them a fool? Well, it's not Kevin Hall. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. This is the Bible. Okay? So, Amen. I don't want anybody arguing with me. This is the Bible. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 22, but whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. So I want to ask this question. Calling somebody is a, a fool, is it worth going to hell over? Okay, you might want to choose another word. Come on, let's put some hands together. <laughs> When I look at the B portion of verse 20, and it says, then who shall these things be? Uh, uh, you know, we're dealing again with leaving things to others. And, and I want to say this to everybody concerning, because I, I, it might sound like I'm contradicting myself, because earlier I'm telling people, if you have something to leave, you might want to take, take, do what's legal as far as making sure everything is clear as to where it's going to go. But I want to say this on the other hand. 
Don't leave anything that you haven't enjoyed first. Unfortunately, a whole lot of us are going to be leaving something for other folk that we never did enjoy. And don't fool yourself. When we go to leaving things to other people, other people don't value what we left the way we did. Oh, okay, y'all don't get that. Well, there's, you, you, some of us, you know, some of us come from this old school, you know, where we have living rooms that we don't sit in and so forth. My mother used to say, I, I used to talk to my mom. I said, why have all of this? She said, I just like looking at it. Amen. And here I'm growing up the same way. I, I got a living room, dining room, all, and I, I like looking at it. Hey. <laughs> but the whole, but, but I'll say that if that's what you enjoy, so be it. All right. <laughs> Amen. If that, if that makes you happy to look at it, go ahead and look. Amen. We all need something to make us happy these days. But the whole point I am saying is you don't want to have anything that you don't enjoy. Because if you fail, if you, if you make it so good that you can't enjoy it, I guarantee you the folk you're going to leave it with, they're going to enjoy it. Amen. You, you talking about I don't sit on that sofa, they're going to lay on that sofa. Come on and put some hands together, somebody. <laughs> uh, I'm preaching to myself here. I'm preaching to myself. Amen. Verse 21, the closing verse, it says, so, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Deacons, I had to ask myself, what did Jesus mean when he said being rich toward God? Because obviously in verse 21, Jesus is advocating that we need to be rich toward God. I think one writer said it good, and this writer said, uh, being rich toward God simply means treasuring what God treasures. Wow. A whole lot that we treasure. God doesn't treasure that. Why would God treasure houses, cars, clothes, shoes? Those are meaningless to God. Someone else described being rich toward God as being rich in good deeds, rich in generosity, and rich in relationships. But the bottom line, Jesus is teaching us that in our lives, we need to try to experience wealth in God rather than material wealth. In perhaps another setting, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, lay not over yourselves treasures upon earth. Y'all remember that? We're mocked. And rough doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You can tell what's in a person's heart if you discover their treasure. Wow. I need to start kind of moving this in another direction, but I can't do it unless you've understood. If you've understood the exposition of the text, go ahead and put some hands together. Let me see if I can paraphrase. In the parable of the rich fool, that's what this parable is known as, the parable of the rich fool. God called him a fool because he was not prepared to meet God. God didn't call him a fool because the man dashed in front of him, but because he was not prepared to meet God. The man died being a fool because his soul was not prepared to meet God. He died being a fool because it was not well with his soul. Y'all see where this is going. Had he prepared to meet God, it would have been well with his soul. 
Let me transition now to some application. And this is the key idea for today's message. Uh, preparing to meet God makes it well with your soul. See, the question is asked in the sermon, is it well with your soul? Uh, well, I'm saying uh, preparing to meet God makes it well with your soul. Uh, everybody repeat that. Uh, it's a key idea. It's an important statement. It's the key statement for the whole sermon. Uh, everybody uh, repeat those words. Preparing to, to meet God makes it well with your soul. If you're in agreement, go ahead and put some hands together. What prepares you to meet God? Those of you taking notes, three words. Salvation, service, and suffering. Write those three words down. First of all, salvation prepares you to meet God. People became in need of salvation after Adam fell by eating the fruit forbidden by God. Adam represented mankind. The mistake of eating the forbidden fruit messed up the entire world. Though man messed up the world, hear this, God still loves the world. When you look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. God loves the world so much that he gave his very best to die in our stead to enable believers to be saved. I need all, everyone in the congregation to recite John 3.16 with me. Let's do it together. And I don't want you to do it audibly. Come on, let's do it together. Despite the mass that has your mouth muzzled, uh, let's all recite John 3.16 together. Let's do it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, uh, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, uh, but have everlasting life. Will you praise God for John 3.16? I love it. When people believe in God through Jesus Christ, people experience salvation. Salvation is God's gift to mankind. I'll say it again. Salvation is God's gift to mankind. Paul said in Ephesians 2 and 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is uh, the gift of God. Uh, uh, since salvation is the gift of God, people need to unwrap the gift. Look at your neighbor right now and just say, Unwrap the gift. We are approaching the holiday season. Uh, and, and although Jesus is uh, really the reason for the season, many enjoy the holiday season, especially Christmas, because it is an occasion to unwrap gifts. Unfortunately, many have not unwrapped God's gift to mankind. My question is, why wait any longer? If you're not saved, my question is why wait any longer? God has given us the best gift in the world. All we have to do is unwrap the gift. We unwrap God's gift simply by believing in God through Jesus Christ. Once we unwrap God's gift, then we experience eternal salvation. Being saved has numerous benefits. Everybody say numerous benefits. One of the great benefits of being saved is salvation prepares people to meet God. Something else prepares people to meet God. What is a pastor's point number two? It's called service. Everybody say service. Service prepares you to meet God. In the parable of the rich fool, God blessed the rich fool abundantly, but the rich fool never considered serving others. What about you and I? We come to church, but do we ever consider serving others. 
After God blessed the rich fool abundantly, the rich fool demonstrated his selfishness. Uh, instead of utilizing at least a portion of his blessing uh, to serve others, a rich fool... The rich fool decided to build greater bonds for himself. Unlike what the rich fool did, believers are saved to serve. Everybody, let's make it personal. I am saved to serve. Look at your name and say, if you are saved, God saved you to serve. God did not save any of us to sit and be dormant. When I was growing up, those old preachers used to often talk about it. You can't be a bench member. Oh, y'all listening to me here. God doesn't want us to sit and be dormant. And, and, and hear this. Don't allow COVID-19, especially at this point, to hinder you from service. There's some people right now, they're still not serving because they, they're afraid of COVID-19. You know what? Scientifically, hear this, everybody. Uh, the flu right now is, is, is worse than COVID-19. And I'm not trying to minimize COVID-19, but I just need people to hear. COVID-19 was a major problem. Now it is a problem. Doesn't mean that it no, is no, it no longer exists, but, but it's, it's not as devastating as it once was. Are y'all listening to me? So I'm only going there because there's some people who are still uh, uh, locked at home, won't go anything, won't go anywhere, won't do anything because of their fear of COVID-19 and life is passing them by. It's all right to be careful. And, I, and you need to be careful. I, I, I encourage you to be careful. But what I am saying is that it's not worth letting life pass you by over. God has given us wisdom as to how we can manage and still enjoy life. Will you put some hands together, somebody? I'm afraid that many will experience a rude awakening at the judgment bar. You do realize that everybody's going to leave here. And once we leave here, everybody's going to stand before God at the, before the judgment seat. Many may stand before God on the day of judgment and be disappointed when God rejects them. Can you imagine what it's like when Jesus say, I know you not. Depart from me. That's ultimate rejection. Failure to serve as God commands could jeopardize one's soul. Failure to serve even though we, we feel that we have a legitimate excuse uh, might be an indication that it is not well with our soul. Service is what God requires all believers to do. Look at your neighbor and say, serve. Jesus is a perfect example of rendering service. Uh, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, uh, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Like Jesus, uh, as saved individuals, uh, we have a mission not to be served, but to serve. Everybody again, say, serve. And let me just take, uh, take advantage of this opportunity. I praise God, for example, of, of the faithful ushers of this congregation. These ushers, are, 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 they're just doing a marvelous job. And ever since we reopened the, during the pan, since the pandemic, uh, our ushers have, have done a, a marvelous job seeing us, trying to keep us, uh, us safe. And I say to everybody, please cooperate with these ushers because they're doing a great job for the Lord. Put some more hands together. 
If you're not serving, you need to begin serving today. Look at your neighbor and say, right now. God will not tolerate excuses for lack of service. However, when your service is active, your service is preparing you to meet God. Besides salvation and service, something else prepares people to meet God. And this is my last point. Everybody say suffering. Wow, suffering? Suffering can be defined as, uh, as ongoing pain, distress, and hardship. If you have never suffered, I just say to you, just keep on living. Suffering is a common denominator of life. Uh, although people like myself would rather not suffering, suffering is beneficial. In other words, let me just be, be honest with you. I don't wake up in the morning looking for opportunities to suffer. The Bible teaches us to rejoice, but uh, I'm just being honest. I, I don't wake up and think about, okay, now how can I suffer today? And I don't believe anybody else in here, you wake up looking for opportunities to suffer. But suffering can be beneficial. For example, in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16 says, uh, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Somebody shout out, teach, pastor. Suffering is not what most desire, but it, it, it often benefits us by making us stronger. Look at your neighbor and say, it will make you stronger. Not only does suffering make us stronger, but also suffering prepares us to meet God. Believers that have suffered for Christ's sake will be rewarded by Christ. I heard Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against your false for my sake. And he says, rejoice. Somebody shout out, rejoice. Y'all didn't say it loud enough. Somebody shout out, rejoice. And be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Again, suffering prepares us to meet God. The next time you find yourself suffering, recognize this is God's way of preparing you to meet him. Is there anybody in here who knows something about suffering? In all your suffering, no part of your suffering was greater than the suffering Jesus endured. Isaiah 53 and 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Uh, uh, he was bruised for our iniquities. Uh, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Uh, uh, and, uh, and with his stripes, we are healed. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, uh, the just for the unjust, uh, that he might bring us to God, uh, bring uh, uh, put to death in the flesh, uh, but quickened uh, by the Spirit. Uh, Jesus suffered uh, in order to bring us uh, to God. Will you praise God for that? In plain English, and I'm almost done, Jesus suffered when he was crucified on the cross. After dying, Jesus was buried in a bald tomb for three days and three nights. But early Sunday morning, Jesus arose from that grave with all power in heaven and in earth. Because of Jesus' resurrection, it is well with my soul. In conclusion, a question needs to be answered. Is it well with your soul? Look at your neighbor and just ask the question, is it well with your soul? 
salvation, service, and suffering are three ingredients that make it well with your soul. In our text, Luke chapter 12, verse 20, it was not well with the rich fool's soul. Although he was prepared to live well on earth, he was not prepared to live well in heaven. God called him a fool not because he was rich, but because uh, his soul was not prepared to meet God. What about each of us? Are you prepared to meet God? Is it well with your soul? It may be well with your mom. It may be well with your dad. It may be well with your mate. It may be well with your family. It may even be well with your finances. But is it well with your soul? I have outlived so many that I knew. Despite all that I've been through because it is well with my soul. I have been born again and walking with the Lord for over 40 years. I have been an accomplished pastor for 35 consecutive years. Yes. My adult life, basically all my adult life, I've been a pastor. I've seen a lot. I've achieved a lot. I've been through a lot, all because it is well with my soul. Regardless of what people may say about me, the one thing I can say truthfully about Kevin B. Hall, it is well with my soul. I love the lyrics of the hymn that Bob Coughlin wrote. When peace like a river <laughs> attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. with my soul. Is it well with your soul? God bless you, everybody. Like for the pastor to pray concerning your soul. If you want to stand, you may. You don't have to come to the altar, but you can stand where you are. You can stand where you are if you want me to pray for your soul. Yes. I mean, everything about you is important, but we've learned in this message the soul is what's most important. Father, we're standing on our feet, so many. We're standing because we recognize how valuable the soul is to you as well as to us. I pray for every soul that's here in person and all of those souls that are watching and will be watching through streaming. Lord, I pray that it be well 
I pray that through your spirit, if it's not well, that you will motivate us to do what it takes, such as experience, salvation, serving, and even suffering to make it right with you. We pray, Lord, for every need that's represented here. Soul needs, mind needs, body needs. Needs that are according to your will. We stand on your word, which informs us that you shall supply every need of ours. We look to the hills from which cometh our help. Knowing that our help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Father, I pray for everybody here. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody here, somebody's listening, somebody's watching, and life has not been well for them. In the name of Jesus, comfort heavy hearts. Heal broken souls, minds, and bodies. Lord, as we prepare to present you our tithes and our offerings, uh, we pray that they be acceptable in thy sight. Uh, as we prepare to depart from this holy sanctuary, we pray that your spirit will continue to abide with us all. In the name of Jesus. And we say amen. If you're here today and you're not saved but want to be saved. If you're here today and you are saved but need a church home. Those of you present, those forms that's behind that pew in front of you. Why don't you fill that out? After filling it out, you can put it in an offering basket, give it to an usher or someone at the front desk, and we will respond to you promptly. Those of you viewing online through streaming. There's a link that's before you fill it out. Submit it electronically or mail it to us. And again, we will respond to you promptly. With your eyes open, take a moment and praise God for the word, the word, the word, the word. And you may be seated. God bless you. You were a very great teaching crowd. Somebody close to me shared with me a couple weeks ago. She said, Kev, whenever you preach, you don't have to make excuses when you have to teach. Because it's all the word of God. Amen. And I praise God for you being a great teaching crowd. It's blessing time. Well, back before the pandemic, when I said it's blessing time, people would shout hallelujah. Because we recognize it's more blessed to give than to receive. So let me do it again. It's blessing time. I hope that you have been blessed by the word that went forth today. And listen, without your support, we can't do what we're doing here. And so let me tell you a little bit about tithes and offering. And it's here in this scripture, Malachi 3, 8, and 9. And it says, Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me? But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offering? Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now let me take it a step further. And it says in verse 10, 
Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's what the word says. So we encourage you to continue giving to St. John. Now listen, there's various ways that you can give. One, you can give in person during our worship celebrations. Two, you can mail or drop off at the South Campus or our, our administration building. Three, you can give online. Now listen, you can find more information about where those locations are by visiting our website. Um, in the meantime, we thank you for joining us today. We hope that you were blessed and we hope that you will have a blessed week in the Lord.